Well, hello listeners and welcome back to our series, The Footy Tales. Well, I'm really sorry for not uh, putting up an episode last week. Um, you know, there are these um, days when you really feel like not doing anything, like simply not doing anything, yeah? I know, I mean, these are the days when you're supposed to push yourself, motivate yourself, come on, get over this moment and just finish the work. Which is what usually happens and that's how usually I just push myself on weekends and know you need to put up a podcast today, come what me. But then there are still some, those stubborn days which you know, no matter what, it just stays in its place and you just don't really feel like doing any, any damn thing. And you know, that was one such uh, weekend, like the last weekend. I was just in the mood of just simply be a couch potato and do nothing at all. So, yeah, um, please accept my apologies for not having even put up an update. I'm really sorry. But, hey, here we are back today with a new story and this new series, yeah? And today's story is um, some sort of, uh, it has some sort of a mixed uh, ending. Oh, yeah, I mean, I would like to hear your views, in fact, on how do you think the story has ended. But yes, it also highlights a very important aspect of how different cultures influence the way we think about food or about like food cooking and, and the activities revolving around food. In a lot, we, um, influenced by the culture, by the area where we have been brought up in yeah so with that note in mind let's go ahead with today's story and here we go a question of taste it started out as a perfectly normal workday A food writer by night, I was working at a consulting firm in a lonely cubicle on the 7th floor of a suburban Washington, D.C. office. I worked alone since most of my teammates were all over the United States, part of what is called a virtual team. It sounds glamorous, but it translates to being very lonely at work. So imagine my surprise when the receptionist called me to say I had a visitor. I could hear her giggling on the other end of the phone. Who is it? I demanded to know. Well, she hesitated. It's a gentleman in a chef's uniform and he has a picture of you holding your cookbook. Says it's from the Washington Post. Hmm, a chef here in my office with my picture in hand. Huh, if you live long enough, you see everything, my grandmother used to say. And sure enough, here it was. A chef asking for a novice writer at an HR consulting firm. And there he was. A young man in uniform, chef's hat and all. He extended his hand 
towards me, saying, "Hi, I am Jonathan Crin, and I have just opened a new restaurant downstairs in this building. It's called Two Nine Four One." My mother saw the article about you in the newspaper and told me to check you out. She thought we might enjoy meeting each other. Those were his exact words. I thought his mother was matchmaking.、Mm, probably it must have shown on my face, cause he quickly added, "Um, since you write books and I cook, well, I wasn't sure how to react." He invited me to his kitchen to learn more about him and his cooking, and I agreed, reluctantly, not knowing what would be expected of me. We set a date, and he left. I took the day of our meeting off from work and arrived armed with nothing more than anxiety. For now, I had googled him and knew who he was. What on earth would we talk about? I wondered. The interior of the restaurant looked like a new bride, perfectly adorned, a bit coy, and yet very inviting. He met me at the door and led me into the kitchen. It was huge, almost as big as the restaurant. I was in awe of all the gadgets. As we chatted. A chemistry began to develop. His passion for French American food and mine was Indian, so vastly different, and yet the soul behind them was the same. He muttered something about showing me how to make a perfect sauce. I was completely ill at ease. My knowledge of French stopped at hoy. And he was talking a mile a minute about ingredients and techniques. We were standing over the pot, and then it happened—that bewildering incident. He took a spoon, dipped it in the sauce, and then proceeded to, dare I say, lick it. I was stunned. Completely horrified and stunned, he offered me some, and I shook my head. "Are you okay?" he inquired. I stuttered. "You tasted the sauce. How could you do that? Don't you know you're not allowed to taste while you cook?" And now, boy, it was his turn to look stunned. I have never heard of that. How would you know when to season then? When you least expect it, culture shows up. I had learned to cook by sight, smell, sound, and texture. In our kitchen, we were not allowed to taste. My father would teach me to roast spices and to learn that coriander, wimpers, cumin smolders, mustard sizzles, and cinnamon rolls. I learned to cook by sight, as the color of the spices turned, and then by smell—sweet, earthy, heady, sharp—if they are roasting correctly, or unforgiving, acrid smell if they burn. My mother taught me to make curries by hearing how onions sing in oil, 
from a slight sizzle to a glorious harmony as they perfectly caramelize. I learned to watch the tomatoes marry the onions. The sign the union was complete and ready for spices to be added was when the oil separated from the mixture. Roast, sizzle, temper, broil, boil, bake, simmer, sort, fry. We had to do it all by watching and listening. The reason I was told many years later was that in our house the first offering of the food was for the gods. If you tasted while you cooked, it made the food impure. My grandmother would carefully take the first piece of bread she cooked each night, place it on a plate along with a helping of all the other vegetables and lentils and set it aside before the family was served. After we all ate, she would go outside and set the plate in front of the cows that used to hang around our neighborhood. Cows are considered sacred in the Hindu religion and feeding them is said to be akin to feeding God. Now, Jonathan listened carefully to my story and nodded. Then, he held his spoon to me and said, Yo, taste it. There are no cows in D.C. <laughs> well, this story first appeared in the Washington Post and is taken from the book A Life of Spice, Stories of Food, Culture and Life written by Monica Bhede. Well, listeners, that's the end of today's story. The reason why I said it has a very weird ending is because even I'm not sure how should I figure out what he meant in the end, yeah? So there are two reasonings that we can give. Possibly, Jonathan got so impressed with the writer and uh, he thought, okay, like she is, I mean, he considered her to be like equal to God or something. That's why he offered her the foot. Or possibly he didn't completely understand what the significance of the story was behind the writers, uh, like the culture. And um, he just felt, okay, in India, you have cows, so you give it to the cows. But here in Washington, there are no cows and you are from India. So you become like like the next person who's supposed to be tried, who's supposed to try out the food. Uh, I don't know really, but but yeah, listeners, if you feel there is some other interpretation of the story, please do reach out to me. I would love to hear it. But yeah, I mean, I feel the story could have been such a nice, sweet, romantic story. It could have like a nice, sweet ending. But here we are with a ending which is very difficult to to understand what exactly did it mean. It's like it's just ended it on a hook, and now we are free to assume whatever ending this we feel we find it suitable. Yeah, well, that's also good. So yes. And the other thing is that we understood this importance of how culture plays in in how you converse with each other and the way you behave, yeah? Um, I don't think I need to give you an example from the story. It was pretty clear that Jonathan's culture was very different from what the writer's was, who was from India. And the way we cook, the way we 
treat food or the way we converse, the way we behave, everything so much depends on how we are groomed up. Yes. So yeah, I mean, food is in a way it's it's a something which just unites a lot of people. At the same time, it's very distinct to the individual respective culture. Yeah, and we need to admire the food. For its culture, from wherever the origin is, and I mean, now there are um, various recipes that come up, and we try to make it our own way, Indianize the dishes, or you know, adopt it in the way we want. But but somewhere it loses its original charm. Then yes, so as far as possible, try to um, make the dishes in the original true sense and the true spirit that it was made yeah i think that would even preserve the culture of the food and i'm sure you would enjoy your case then yeah okay so with that we wrap up today's episode and don't forget to reach out to me i would love to hear your interpretation of the story and you know what to do you need to reach out to me at my twitter handle at the rate roshni sk you can also drop a mail at the mail id Sishu underscore Katha at the rate outlook dot com. And yeah, if you happen to listen to the podcast on Spotify, do give your rating and I'll see you soon next week. Until then, stay safe, take care and have a wonderful week ahead. See you soon. Bye bye.